0: morning. I hope you're having a great day and being encouraged by the worship service so far. As we continue our following message series today, Jesus wants us to be all in. You know, it's been said that if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. How true is that statement? So often in our journey in life, we try to accomplish something. We just aim at nothing. We don't really have any direction. And for many of us, the Christian journey has become just that. We don't really aim at following Jesus. We just kind of hope that we hit the jackpot, but then nothing really happens. And we wonder, where is God? Why don't I feel God? Why am I not experiencing God? So often because we want to follow him, but we're following ourselves, hoping that he'll provide his way towards us, even though we're walking away from him. You see, the truth is this, half in eventually becomes all out. Jesus wants us to be all in. And if you're living this Christian journey half in, sooner or later you're gonna be all out. Why? Because the natural drift within the heart, the natural occurrence within the heart, is the drift. The drift naturally happens. You know, have you ever been on a job and you really haven't been told exactly what to do? It's pretty frustrating, isn't it? I mean someone tells you this is what you're supposed to do, I want you to complete this job, but then they don't give you the proper training or the how-to and then you just stand there wondering, How am I going to get this accomplished? What am I going to do? You know, I'm not the best hands on person. I've been on many mission trips with some people in this room and they know I better spend an hour or more telling Bill how to do this simple job of like hammering a nail or painting this wall because other words, it's just not going to get done. In fact, when I was in high school, I took auto class. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not I'm not that great at all this stuff. And I was gonna bring my car in to get, get the oil changed. And I went to get the oil filter and I came in and my, my teacher was like, what, do you, what is this? Dude, that's not even anything for your car. Like you got the wrong parts for your car. How are we gonna do an oil change today? You know, and I'm just not the person to be trusted. And so often I think we're given jobs in life and we're not told what to do. Jesus in his, the beginning of his ministry, he called 12 disciples to follow him. And they did, we talked about that last week. And he gave them a new purpose, and then he spent three years with them, sharing with them about what that purpose is, what it means to follow him. He spent time teaching, correcting, challenging, loving, encouraging, and rebuking. They learned from his words and from his example what it meant to be a follower of him. And finally, before Jesus physically arose back into heaven, he gave them one more last task, a commission, if you will that he called them to follow in fact he called every person that became a disciple of his at that moment and for all time to follow this one commission found in Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20 Jesus said this therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age You see, as followers of Jesus, we are called to go and make disciples. That is our calling. That's our role. That is our responsibility. You see, when we give our lives to Jesus, it's not just about, I want to live life good and enjoy everything he gives to me. No, now I'm a part of something that is bigger than me. Last week, we talked about what it meant to be a disciple, that we are following something bigger than ourselves. And here's the heartbreaking reality. We all live in a world where everyone is searching for acceptance. Every one of us, deep down within the core of our heart, is longing to be accepted. And we act out in different ways in order to be accepted. You see, we're all in this search for life's most profound question, the deepest question that any of us ask. Within our own hearts is the search of every person that has the breath of life, and that is the simple question Who am I? Whether you want to be honest about it or not, we're all racing this race of life, trying to answer that one question Who am I? And in this quest, we're trying to figure out where am I accepted? How am I accepted? Yet in our quest to figure out this life's mystery of who I am, where am I accepted, we we begin to follow other voices. We begin to follow other things, things that seem appealing, seems right, seems like they match what I'm feeling. And then you couple that reality with this truth. Everybody in this world lies. And we need to realize that because if we don't, our feelings are being pulled in different ways. We live in a self-focused world with a self-focused agenda, agenda that's generally financially driven. People will tell us whatever we want to hear or the majority uh, want to hear. Why? Because it gets them ahead, what they want, what their gender is, <clears throat> whatever their focus is. <clears throat> the influences of the world are self-focused, leaving those around them even more confused. Who am i how am i accepted where do i fit in and it just leaves us more broken and then the followers of this world fall prey to the pattern of this world and just breaks us down even more and more and more yet jesus brings us towards life jesus shows us who we are in him jesus offers us freedom. You see, as followers of Jesus, we are called to guide people towards that deliberate choice to follow Jesus. Last week we talked about in order to follow Jesus, to be a disciple, at some point we have to make the deliberate choice to follow him. And when we do, now we have the responsibility, I'm supposed to be a guide to guide other people to a deliberate choice to follow Jesus. You see, we live in a broken, broken world. And if we're not willing to do the, co- the job that God's commissioned us to do, who's going to do it? We are his plan A, and this is not an easy task, but the good thing is this. Jesus didn't leave us hanging on some job. How am I going to do this? He gave us the how to, he gave us the two part process that is to baptize them and then teach them to obey. You know, baptism is that giving their life to Jesus part. You know, baptism, as Paul talks about in Romans 6, is that place where we identify with Jesus in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, where we become a new creation in him. You know that life's mystery that we're trying to figure out, who am I? At baptism, we figure it out. I am who the Father says I am. He died for me. He rose from the grave. He defeated death. And I am his. I am his. That's where we find that. We see that in baptism we find out who we are you see we're all chasing different things trying to find that answer and when we chase our feelings so often our house crumbles jesus put it this way in matthew chapter 7 he talked about it for those of us who built our house on rock and those of us who built our house on sand you see The rock is Jesus, the truth. The sand is our feelings, what feels right, the path we wanna go. You see, any structure, the strength of that structure is in the foundation. And when we don't provide a solid foundation, the house will eventually crumble. Oh, the house may seem great at first. It may seem good. It may seem wonderful. It may seem sturdy. But I promise you this, the storms of life will come. That's the consequences. And when they come, guess what? The house on sand will not withstand the storms of life. The house on the rock will be sturdy and strong. That's how Jesus put it. Today, we describe it more, do I'm gonna follow my feelings or I'm gonna follow what is truth, the sand or the rock. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. I will give you freedom. I'll figure out who I am. Dale is my hero. Thank you, Dale. Hold on one second. I apologize about my voice, man. But listen, here's where it gets tricky. Here's where it gets hard. Jesus says, first part of the process, baptize them, bring them into a relationship with me, help them to find who they are in me. And then the second part of the process is to teach them to obey. I'm not gonna lie, this is where the struggle comes in. This is where it gets challenging. This is in line with what we talked about last week and how we view Jesus. If we view him just as our Savior, you're my good luck charm. Just give me the life I want. Get me into heaven. Keep me out of hell. That type of stuff. Versus Jesus, you are my Lord. You can listen more if you missed last week online at our YouTube YouTube channel, Impact Pittsburgh um, YouTube page. But you know, the problem is this. when We have to follow Jesus. when We walk with him. We give our life to him. We find who we are in him and then we teach them to obey. This is the challenge of choosing Jesus and obeying him. It's the battle of what feels right and what is truth. This is the battle that mankind has faced from the beginning of time. The battle that we are struggling with today. A world that has found truth in what they feel versus the solid rock of who is Jesus. In many ways, people have convinced themselves what they feel is truth. But if we're gonna be honest with this, my friends, we have to separate our feelings from truth and the way we think. Otherwise, our minds will get so jumbled and so polluted by what we feel. It goes by and swishes and swashes every which way, every single day. What feels right and seems right today will not feel right and seem right tomorrow. It's constantly changing. There has to be something more stable, something um, something more unchanging. You see, feelings are not something we can control. They're sensations within us. We all have them. For example, feelings are that thing when you're at home and you're not expecting anybody and then all of a sudden someone pounds on the door and you kind of jump up. Feelings are when you walk into the pet store and you see that puppy and the puppy just overwhelms you at how cute they are. and It just overwhelms you, right? Those are feelings. Feelings are tied to our emotions and emotions are tied to circumstances and the way we begin to think and and the way that begins to elicit a reaction from within us. That's what feelings and emotions do. And oftentimes, these are re- reactions to our emotions, are associated with our past hurt, joy, pleasure, pain, whatever it may be. And it's real and it's raw. But can I just be real honest with you right now? Emotions and your feelings, they're not evil. God designed us with the ability to feel. God created us with feelings. But here's where the problem comes in. Feelings can be deceptive and unstable. And if they're not weighed against something more stable and unchanging, which is truth, then we're building a house on sand. And it becomes a very unpredictable future and way of life. So this ultimately leads to a big question a question that we all have to face. If we cannot trust our feelings, and if our feelings can lead us astray, and our feelings just may not be right, how can we know what is true? How can we know what is true? That's the bottom line. That's the question I think mankind has been trying to ask from the beginning of time. You know, this feels so good, but how do I know what is true? How do I know what's right or wrong? And did you know this was the very question that Pilate asked as Jesus stood before him, before he was crucified? You know, Pilate knew there was something about Jesus. He knew there was something special about this man, but Pilate did not know God, he did not understand Jesus, and Pilate's dialogue with Jesus is a haunting reality, devoid of truth and wrong thinking, when the truth is standing right in front of him. And this is how it goes in John 18, beginning in verse 37. You are a king then, said Pilate, And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then Pilate asked the question that every one of us asks, what is truth? What is truth? Jesus was standing right in front of him. He was asking truth, what is truth? And it's a question, quite frankly, we all ask today. Every one of us in the depths of our heart is asking that question, what is truth? And how can I know it? How can I know it's true? How, why, why can't I trust my feelings? And here's the reality. Not only are we all asking that, we all have to answer that. At some point in your journey, you need to answer the question, what is truth? What is it? And quite frankly, I bet there's many here today or online who feel you've answered that question. You know, some may say, well, I don't really believe in God. I don't believe what the Bible says. I don't really believe there's a God out there. Okay, let me just talk to you for a moment, if that's you. You know, even if you don't believe in God, you do believe in truth. We all do. Every one of us in some way believes in truth. You know, some will say, well, I really don't because I don't believe there really is no truth. But the reality is this, to make that statement, that statement has to be true. And if that statement is true, then you just violated the the claim that you're making because to make that claim, you're admitting there is truth. So at some level, we all believe there is truth. We all believe in something. The question is, what is truth? What is it? For me and my journey, I've chosen with millions throughout the history of mankind to believe the Bible as the word of God, as the real revelation of God to his creation. I believe that it is the truth. It is the objective reality that I have chosen to align my life with. I realize that, I'm not, that not everybody that is in this world wants to take the Bible as truth. I get that. And I know there are so many arguments that have been made throughout time. Some even seem pretty convincing against the Bible's authenticity, validity, and accuracy. But I'm here to stand before you and tell you I spent years of my life investigating for myself from the landscape, within the landscape of modern beliefs religions and philosophies you name it I checked it out and I have along with many other very intelligent people theologians astronomers scientists archaeologists I along with them have through my investigations over and over again compared to all modern beliefs that the Bible has always stood the test of time it has always stood the test of of other arguments and debates. I've seen the Bible's accuracy and relevancy even in the midst of philosophies of our modern day thinking. Remember this important truth, just because something is popular does not make it truth. It does not make it truth. If that were the case, we'd have a serious problem with John chapter six because in John chapter six, the popular vote was we're not walking with Jesus anymore. In fact, only the 12 were left, hundreds walked away popularity does not equal truth and even with all that said let's just say hypothetically that we find out that the Bible is not true I believe I believe with all my heart that it is but let's walk that path for a little bit let's just say hypothetically we find out that the Bible is not true I'm here to tell you I would still stand by its teachings I would still make that what I follow. You know why? Because it is the only uh, collection of teachings that does not require me to do what is impossible to live perfectly. It offers me grace that's possible by the Creator Himself. It teaches me to live in a way that values others above myself. It's not self centered, it's others focused. It does not sway my, with my feelings, it gives me a path that does not lead to confusion but gives me stability even in an unstable world. It instructs me that the best way to truly discover the value of my life is to give it away to serve others and to love others rather than serving myself. It demonstrates that leadership is not won by power or position or influence, but the great leaders get to leadership by serving others, by honoring God, by being people of integrity it redefines my world in a way that if i follow it it assures me peace harmony mutual respect and generosity for all those around me over self-centeredness self-centeredness and self-service and it reveals a god of grace and mercy justice who is in love with his creation you see my decision to follow jesus i'll admit to you is a deeply spiritual one but it is equally rational it's well thought out and it's, it's one which realigns my whole life into believing and thinking that is not about me, myself, and I, but seeks to truly serve others above myself. Tell me, how can that be such a bad way of living? How can that be so awful? Even if, even if we come to the end, and we find out there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no God, please understand, I believe all that is true. I believe the evidence is so amazing that God exists, that heaven is real, that hell is real. But even when we come to that end, what have you lost if you really lived in that way beyond yourself? You see, truth for me is Jesus. Truth to me, for me, is his word. The bible and i say all that because at some point in your journey as a follower of jesus you need to come to grips of what is truth and it's not what we feel there needs to be a guide that guides us beyond what we feel because as followers of jesus not only do we need to come to grips with what is truth we're called to guide other people towards what is truth in a world of confusion you know this is a heart for all of us this is a journey this is not allowing our feelings to guide our life but to rely on truth to navigate and here's the great thing in all this we're not alone we're not alone Jesus promises that he will always be with us he will always be with us he will always be right by our side every step of the way you're not alone You never were and you never were intended to be he will always be by your side jesus told a parable parable about the lost sheep in luke chapter 15 how there was 99 sheep but one was lost and our job is to go out and try to save the one was lost because the 99 they can take care of themselves but i think so often we get so self-focused we're more focused about the 99 than we are about the one and it's time that we change course it's time that we realize God's calling for our life if I'm a follower of Jesus I have a purpose I can't be half in it's time for me to jump all in because we are his plan a we are who he intends to use to share his hope and love throughout the world and with this calling we have an obligation and regarding our obligation Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 you are the salt of the earth but the, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. We are to be salt. And my friends, to be salt, what does he mean? It means to stand up for truth. That's what it means to be salt. You know, in that day and age, salt was used to preserve food. And what Jesus is saying is, as my followers, you are the preservation of truth in this world. That's your role. You are to preserve what is truth so you can guide people towards him, towards me. You know, first we need to understand what truth is. Just what we talked about just a moment ago. But ultimately, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We talked that pretty uh, openly and honestly last week, if you want to check out that message if you missed it. But all too often, we stand for truth by more focusing on the symptoms rather than the root. We focus on the branches rather than than the root of the tree. And when we do that, we miss the importance of what it means to be salt. You know, the symptoms are the way people act out based upon what's going on in their heart. And if you want to transform the world, if you want to be salt, you need to be focused on the heart more than the symptoms. And this calls calls us to go to a very, very difficult place. This is where the heart of God dwells. You see, within the heart of God, there is this tension. A tension that has always been there. You see, when God created, the, created everything and created the garden, everything was good. The man messed it up because that's what we do. We mess everything up, right? And we brought sin into the world. But because God is holy, he cannot be with sin. And so truth is the the reaction of holiness. But God loved us so desperately, He said, I don't want to lose you, I am going to fight for you. I'm gonna fight for you so much, I'm gonna send my son to die on that cross. That is grace, that is love, and that's where the tension of God lands. Within that tension is a war between grace and truth. And as followers of Jesus, he calls us to live in that middle ground. It's a hard place to live. It's hard to journey there. It's hard to live in that space. But as following his command, living out his his commandments to us, to be salt in this world, we must find the ability to live within that tension that God lives between grace and truth. It's a hard struggle. Sometimes we sway one or the other, we mess things up. Sometimes we sway, we get too heavy on truth. And we're just all about focus on the symptoms. You better stop that. Don't do that. I don't wanna be around you anymore. You gotta knock it off. And we just kinda push people away, why? Because we're all focused on truth. You stop that behavior. Or we sway the other way. And this is where the world lives right now. You know, it's all about grace. Well, God's love, so why does it really matter? I mean, God's gonna save us all in the end anyways, right? So it's all good to go. And that's living so far in the grace and we go back between two extremes we're either all truth knock it off i'm going to tell you how to live or we all would go to grace you can do what you want live your life your way just be happy and god will take care of you in the end but that's not what god called us to do god called us to live within this tension and it's so hard and we haven't figured it out really well i'm here to tell you i haven't really figured out why because it's so hard it's hard It's hard to walk this walk of grace and truth, how to love yet maintain a standard. That's a challenging walk. And I don't have all the answers. (laughs) But you know what? If we're just faithful, we're gonna make mistakes. But God will see us through. He will always be by our side. But to be salt, God calls us to live within that tension, loving yet maintaining the standard. We have an indispensable role in this world. Indispensable. You know the imagery of salt losing its tastes that Jesus talked about in Matthew five thirteen envisions a scenario where the essential components of salt have so diluted themselves that they no longer have a useful function. They no longer work to preserve food, it's useless. And in the same way Jesus is telling us, if the disciples Fail to fulfill their role by diluting their values, by diluting their priorities of the kingdom. They become so useless as ambassadors, of, ambassadors of reconciliation. Their blood are, is on our hands. You see, it all starts with who you are. This does not mean you're going preaching on a street corner. This means you are a person who preserves what is true. How do you do that? It starts with your character. Who you are, how you choose to live, the choices you make, it it carries on with your integrity, who you are when nobody's watching, and it carries on with your standards, your moral compass. You see, that is being salt. When you preserve truth by your life, by how you live, the choices you make, it opens up the opportunity for you to be truth in other people's life as well, while also walking grace. That's a hard journey. Jesus ate with sinners. He walked in grace and truth. Jesus met this woman at the well. He walked in grace and truth. But you know, through it all, somewhere along the course of history, something happened. In some ways, we have diluted our values and our priorities of the kingdom. We've become more self-focused as followers of Christ. And then we became quiet bystanders. We, we kind of just kind of drew in the back. I don't like how the world's going, but I hope someone will do something about it. I hope Jesus will show up. I hope something will happen while we kind of hide in the background. And when that happened, we've lost the focus that we're who God called. We're who God call, called to stand in this tension, in this world of grace. And truth and because we have become quiet bystanders the drifts the natural drift happened have you ever been at the beach and you're swimming at the beach and like you have your towels and your your uh, canopy and whatever all set up in a set location and you're out there you're kind of riding the waves you're throwing balls around you're snorkeling you're doing whatever and also a, a little bit later you look up and you're like where's all my stuff Who took my stuff and you realize I'm like 500 yards down beach. How did that happen? Have you ever been there? It's like you don't even know how that happened. But the reality is this, you lost focus and the natural drift of the ocean took you downstream. And that is exactly what happens to us all the time. When you are half in, when you're aiming at nothing spiritually, you're going to hit it every time and the natural drift begins to happen. It is the reality of life. When you are not focused, you begin to drift. And when you begin to drift, you dilute your values, your priorities, you become useless, and oh my goodness, we become quiet bystanders. And then we wonder what happened to this world when we lost sight of I'm the plan, I'm the plan. We are to be the salt. We are to preserve what is true. And then Jesus continued on in verses 14 and 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are called to be salt, and we are called to be light. But can I tell you something, my friends? To be light is to shine and be seen. That's what Jesus is saying. You are, as my followers, you are to shine and be seen. You cannot be my light if you deluded yourselves. You cannot be my light if you drift into the background, hiding away. You are called to be seen by the world. You're called for people, when they see you, they see me. And that happens with your character, your integrity, with your standards. What does the world see when they see you? What do they see? Because when we are effectively salt, it gives us the ability to be light. We figure out how to live in the tension of grace and truth, it opens up the door for us to be light in someone's life. That's the walk. That's the hard journey to go and make disciples. See, Jesus called us to be a light of the world. A light is something that guides, it's that directional point that when you don't know where to go, when you're lost at sea, you see the light and you follow the light. We're supposed to be that light in this dark world. Light gives hope. When you're just not sure where you are, you turn on the flashlight and it shows you the way. We are supposed to be the hope of this world. Light exposes and diminishes darkness. You know, think about it. It's getting darker in the morning, but when you wake up and turn on the light, what happens to darkness? It is gone. And the same is true when we live out as light agents in this world, the darkness flees. The devil has nothing against Jesus. He's not gonna hold up. Stop believing that he will win, because he will not. You be the light. You be the light. My friends, we can't be quiet bystanders anymore. We cannot. This world needs us. God is calling us and giving us an obligation to go and make disciples, to be salt, to preserve what is true, to be light, to guide people towards his truth. He's calling us to live in that tension, the very hard tension of grace and truth. We are being called to something bigger than ourselves. It's time for us to stop sitting on the sidelines. It is time for us to stop hiding in the weeds. It's time for us to be lights, the world needs us the world needs you you may be the only light that person you walk past today that they will ever have a chance to see you may be the only one That friend who's struggling with anxiety, you may be the only opportunity of light in their life. Don't miss that opportunity. That person struggling with addictions, you may be the only opportunity of light in their life. That person with grief, that person who's just unsure of which way they're supposed to go or to walk, that person so overwhelmed with sin in their life, as hard as it may be, you may be the only light. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. This doesn't mean going down the street corner and stre- screaming and yelling that means you start to be salt you start to be a person who lives by character and integrity that's based upon a moral standard of truth that is jesus you live in that tension of grace and truth you build those relationships even when it's hard and difficult and you allow those relationships to open up the opportunity to be light and don't miss the opportunity to be light god has called you he's called us may we go and be what god's called us to be let's pray together father we come to you right now and lord we live in a world that's so broken and it seems so hopeless and lord it just seems it just seems so hard to be what you called us to be it's so much easier just to focus on ourselves just try to enjoy life and be the best Christian we can be, but you've called us more than that. Lord, I just pray that you help us to understand what it means to go and make disciples, to lead people to find themselves to who they are in you, that we may truly see you as truth, that we may guide them towards your truth by living in that tension, by being salt and light that you call us to be. Lord, I just pray that we may live in such a way that when people see us, they see you. And Lord, I just wanna pray specifically right now for those in this room and online who are, maybe when we talked about truth, they're just, they're just like, I don't believe in God. And Lord, I pray that you, that you reveal yourself to them right now. Help them to see the reality of who you are. Lord, for those of us who have been kind of riding the fence, hiding in the, in the background, Lord, I pray right now that we may step out and follow you fully. Lord, there might be someone here that's, that has been kind of following you but never fully committed to you, never fully surrendered to you, and Lord, I pray right now that you work on their heart to fully surrender. Lord, that together, collectively, we may be your salt and we may be your light. It's in your name we pray, amen. Mm-hmm.